This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now, next Monday, we will have a new Prime Minister in the United Kingdom. All the signs are that the winner of the contest between Rishi Sunak, former Chancellor, and Liz Truss, the present Foreign Secretary, is that Liz Truss will win, and she may win by a very big margin indeed. She is quite far out to the right, she didn't resign with others, such as Sunak, when Johnson had to go because basically so many ministers were resigning and everything one sees of her causes a little shiver to run down one's spine, particularly in relation to Ireland and Europe, where she will be hardline looking to pick fights. And we know already she drafted a piece of legislation that will affect Northern Ireland quite seriously. We're joined now from London by Chris Johns. Chris is a former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland and now a respected commentator. Chris, she has never looked prime ministerial or sounded prime ministerial, and yet she looks like she's going to persuade the electorate, which is 160,000 Tory members, most of them white, elderly, and living in the south of England. In other words, quite unrepresentative. She's persuaded them, it appears. Yes, the campaign, her campaign, got off to a very stumbling start. You might remember, it feels like years ago now, this this thing has dragged on interminably across the summer weeks. Um, There were TV debates, the last of which was cancelled because they were so appalling in so many different regards. The first one, she got off to a very, very stumbling start, and uh, opinion polls after that TV uh, appearance said that she was wooden, she was a hopeless public speaker, something she herself has admitted on several occasions, actually, that she's not good on her feet. When the public were asked who had won the debate, she came fifth out of five people that were the candidates at the time, with 6% of the popular vote. Yes. So, so to, I mean, I'm not here actually to, to praise Liz Truss, as I'm sure you know, but yeah. she did go off and work very hard. She'd spent a whole weekend um, working on her public performance, and that's culminated last night, I think, was the last stump speech. They'd gone to hustings now, away from TV debates, where they address 
members of the Tory party that some of those 160,000 that yeah, you six, mentioned. 6,000 turned up at Wembley last night yeah. to see the final debate. And so she, what she did was she, get, she gave the same speech for the 12th time. Right. And so she has become a wee bit more polished, a wee bit more confident on her feet. And those people have warmed to that. And um, as so many other commentators are saying, she will be the prime minister next week. Uh, we'll all be eating our words if that's not true, but it, it looks as nailed on a certainty as you, as you possibly can. And the message that she's delivered has appealed to those 6,000 last night and the other 160,000 who are going to be voting over the next few days. What's the message? Well, I, I think the, um, the New Statesman, which is, which, which is a sort of center-left publication, to give it some context, um, has its front page this week, written by Andrew Marr, you might recall. Was yes, the, the BBC man. Heavyweight BBC journalist for many, many years um, ran their flagship Sunday politics program and decamped recently to become a writer for the New Statesman. And he says, um, prepare for the most right-wing government of our lifetime. Yes. And I think that summarizes how commentators feel uh, or are responding to the program, the manifesto, if you like, that she's propounded in these stump speeches, these hustings that she's been giving for the last while. And um, the only open question, really, is to what extent she is going to implement all the things that she has promised. Or is she going to do the classic tacking to the center uh, thing that some politicians do? And most commentators, particularly those that seem to know her, suggest that there is zero chance of her tacking to the center, that she will, in fact, as Andrew Marr says, be the most right-wing form the most right-wing government of our lifetime. Now, that has consequences for Britain, of course. It also has consequences for Ireland because and Europe, because she, as foreign secretary, just before this leadership crisis began, had drafted a piece of legislation which is going through Parliament. It's to do with the Northern Ireland Protocol. It is effectively a piece of legislation that formally reneges on the Europe-Brexit agreement. And that will lead to serious trouble with Europe, and it could cause serious trouble in our country as well. The serious trouble with Europe would probably, it could lead to the courts, but it could also lead to a trade war. As I see it, Chris, and I'm not the expert here, but all the signs are Britain can't afford a trade war. The pound is tanking. The people are suffering very, very badly. Their economic situation is far worse, actually, than ours. And ours is bad. Yeah, this, this is one of the many reasons, I think, why various commentators have described um, this trust very unflatteringly as being somewhat crackers. That's a word that Dominic Cummings has used. It's a word that Matthew Paris, an ex-Tory MP, actually writing in the Times, described her as crackers. Really? And He's quite a sensible fellow. So. Well, yeah, in, indeed. Um, it was one of the most... If you, He wrote some excoriating stuff about Johnson, actually, but he, he's wound up the volume in his column, uh, Times columns about trust. He cannot believe that the Tories are about to, to make trust prime minister. And, but he admits he, he thought exactly the same thing about Johnson when Johnson was campaigning, so we, we seem to um, we seem to be going from bad to worse. And as as you say, the, one of the things that uh, might be happening behind in the background is is that 
Johnson is doing a round of farewell speeches and talks and attending drugs busts, of all things, dawn drugs <laughs> raids this week yeah. um, in, in order to try and, so shall we say, cement his legacy. But we, we, we do wonder what, what, what that might be. But the, back to trust, the, 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 there are, I think one of the first things to see will be the cabinet that she announces. Yeah. And I think it's essentially going to be a cabinet of the ERG, the European Research Group, which will inform that decision about the Northern Ireland Protocol. Yes. And the, what we obviously don't know. We, we, we will know, presumably, by this time next week, what the cabinet will look like. But the first thing I think that you, your, your listeners may not have heard of this is that we're, it looks like we're going to get something called the Greenwich Mafia. Oh, yeah. There's a, gang of them, there's a gang of them that all live in Greenwich, and it includes your friend and mine, Lord David Frost. Oh, wow. Now, he and, is the hardliner of all hardliners, and he felt... For example, he turned on Johnson, who ennobled him and put him in the Lords, and he lashed Johnson. He was the lead negotiator with the European Union for a very long time. Yeah, and fellow Greenwich resident Liz Truss will be joined by somebody called Therese Coffey, probably as Chief Whip, who is a great friend of hers, and somebody called Quasi Quateng as Chancellor, another Greenwich resident. And certainly Quateng and Frost are both hardline Brexiteers, and um, arguably hardline right-wingers of that radical kind. That yeah, Quatang is Old Etonian. Absolutely right. Um, another one. Um, yep. We're also rumoured that they are only stories to be getting somebody called John Redwood into the cabinet. Um, <laughs> if you thought, if you thought <laughs> Liz Truss was crackers, you should listen. You should catch the videos of him trying to sing the Welsh National Anthem in Welsh when he was Welsh Secretary. Um, <laughs> well, he was, a, he was a devotee of Margaret Thatcher. He was a young, oh, as a young so, yeah. politician, he was one of her bag carriers. People have made the comparison, Chris, between Truss and... Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher was a much more substantial politician, also much more cautious in her behaviour than sometimes her rhetoric would suggest. There's no yeah. evidence of caution in Truss's behaviour as of now. As of now, as I say, we wait to see what she actually does. But if she implements her programme, the first thing she'll do is announce this very right-wing, what I call ERG cabinet and that's because she is essentially beholden to the ERG for getting her to where she is yes. today. So you are going to see people like John Redwood, but also perhaps Ian Duncan Smith making a comeback, another name you may know, oh Jacob, Jacob <laughs> Rees-Mogg into the Treasury, yeah. Suella Braverman as Home Secretary. These are, these are the sorts yes. of names and positions that are being bandied around this morning. She's promised all sorts of different things. One of the first things that she's going to do is um, have an emergency budget she probably won't call it that, but that's what it will look like, in which she has promised to simply cut taxes in response to Britain's growth crisis, Britain's cost of living crisis, Britain's energy price crisis. The idea is that, for example, she will repeal a Sunak announced rise in national insurance contributions. That's the British equivalent of PRSI in Ireland. And that will do nothing for low-income households, nothing at all. Um, it's worth about, I think, 7p a week to the lowest income households that are actually in work. Um, so that's a particular point about a more general aspect of her policies, which is something that Ma has write, written about and others, um, that it, as well as being poor economics, it's very dangerous politics because it really is tax cuts for the rich and the poor, well, they can go swing. Um, she really on the basis of her rhetoric, is saying that she is going to do nothing 
for the people most affected by the energy crisis, which are the people, households on on low incomes, of which there are millions in the UK. And she has said very explicitly, I am not going to do hardly anything for these people. So it's so it's 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 interesting. It's dangerous. Um, I think it's vile. But what what do I know? The issue, of course, is will she actually be bounced into um, these things that she calls disparagingly handouts, yes. which, as an economist, I would say is absolutely the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to give money to poor people to pay for their electricity bills or, and, and energy, other energy bills. Um, but she, she disparages the idea of giving people money to be able to eat, to be able to cook, to be able to heat and light their homes as handouts. So the rhetoric is 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 very right wing and and I think very very divisive. Again, we have to say let's wait and see what she does. My guess is that the, the economic situation as well as the politics of all of that are going to be such that she's going to be forced into U-turns very very quickly. But she, um, it, it is said there is a lot less to Liz Truss than meets the eye, and that she is this ideologue that is going to come into power, implement this this very radical agenda, and uh, it is then concluded, I suspect by people no less than Boris Johnson, that she will crash and burn. And that um, that perhaps is what people like Sunak and Johnson are strategizing for, is when she does crash and burn in a year or two's time. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Now Johnson in a poll released last week, fifty-two percent of members of the Conservative Party wish. Johnson was still Prime Minister and would vote for him if he was running against Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak. That's not terribly promising, is it? And the other fact appears to be that Truss is effectively running on the Boris ticket, as it were. She didn't resign. She was prepared to put up with all of his stuff, 
unlike Sunak, and it's been held against Sunak, he did resign. His resignation as Chancellor was a pivotal moment and a catalyst, perhaps, for other resignations. So she very much is in the Johnson camp. Yes. Robert Shrimsley, who's the um, FT political editor, another journalistic heavyweight in the UK. I have his piece in front of me, yes. The the Tory party um, is falling for all sorts of myths. And one of the, one of the classic myths in politics is is the great betrayal. Um, Germany did it after the First World War, and there are many historical episodes like that. And um, the myth that they're falling for at the moment is that you know Boris has been betrayed, and the great betrayer was Sunak. Yes, and having fallen for that myth, they've they rejected the one guy that perhaps had a chance of navigating Britain along you know this this very tricky economic path that we have facing us throughout the course of the next year or two and wh- whether you like or loathe sunak's politics he is technocratically competent and does have a pragmatic streak about him he's a tax cutting tory who put taxes up for example i don't think that that streak of pragmatism or that technocratic competence applies either to truss or indeed any of the team that she's reputed to be gathering to be her cabinet. So it's these myths that that people and parties, the Tory party, are falling for, um, I think mean that ultimately um, the one thing that Johnson was able to do was keep the Tory party together. I think that was one of his few qualities. I'm not sure that Truss is going to be able to do that. I think the Tory party, because it's fallen for these myths that Shrimsley talks about, is now essentially unleadable. And I think that we are now there's a good chance that they could be eviscerated in the next general election, not just defeated, by Keir Starmer. Yes. You know, the invisible, most boring man that's ever led the Labour Party um, could could well turn out to be um, the, the next prime minister in two and a bit years' time as a result of what the Tory party does to itself rather than what the Labour Party manages to, to do over the next couple of years. When you think of Ian Duncan Smith returning, he was leader of the Tory party briefly during the Blair years. It's mind-boggling. His was a disastrous leadership. I mean, the word lightweight certainly comes to mind along with many others that perhaps shouldn't be expressed in a family show. But the fact that he could well... He and John Redwood are tipped for jobs in... And both are, as as Andrew (laughs) Marr says this morning, both are hardcore. Yeah, um, they, they want a smaller state. Um, they're going to have a, one of the reasons. What you mentioned, the pound sterling, is that what um, Truss has mentioned the Bank of England in dispatches several times, and both those guys, Ian Duncan Smith and John Redwood, have been uh, loud critics of the Bank of England and its policy. So, if you're going to start tampering with the, the independent setter of monetary policy, the setter of interest rates in the UK and start messing around with it for political reasons. Remember, it was Gordon Brown that gave yes, the Bank of England its independence back in 1997, which, and it was an, an, you know, a good thing. The Bank of England has made missteps, of course it has, but it's done a much better job than any politician would have done. If you're going to go back to those days of politics, messing with monetary policy, then that is a recipe for sterling to collapse. Let me ask you, Chris, about the mood of the country in Britain, in that what the Trust-Sunak contest is revealing is the state of the Tory membership, 
which is not representative at all, is it, of England or Britain? Not at all. Not at all. I think you've got this amazing situation yeah. where you've got this this incoming government, um, essentially unelected. There's no, there's no general election going on, but yeah. we've got the, what the Tory party contest means is that because of the new prime minister and who she's going to put in her cabinet, it's effectively a new government of a, of a very different stripe to the one that we've had for the last well, we've had 12 years of Tory government. This is going to be a very different Tory government. It, it is the government of the radical right, as, as we keep saying. And and so, that, first of all, of course, that's very undemocratic. But the, the politics of this, as Ma says today, are really, really dangerous because the country itself is moving left. Yes. Most obviously, with the, the, the rather large lead and increasing lead on a daily basis that the Labour Party gets, but you can also see it in terms of other things that that the country wants. The um, opinion polls were asked recently about energy companies, and not surprisingly, perhaps a majority of voters and a majority of Tory voters would love to see all the energy companies nationalised. Yes, uh, a majority of voters would like to see all of public transport nationalised. Yes, there's a left wing, certainly from an economic perspective, feel about the country at large in yes. terms of what we hear people saying, what we see in opinion poll results. And yet you have this thing going on in Westminster that doesn't seem to notice. So it, it certainly sets up a, a big clash, uh, not least of ideologies going forward. But the country itself, the mood, because of what's going on, we need... The, the reason why Keir Starmer is, is, I think, doing well is that there is a, a crying need that most people recognize for adults to be in charge. And even if it means boring people doing sensible things, then Keir Starmer fits that bill. We do not need ideologues picking fights with the EU, disparaging um, our great friends in France, their leaders, with that, that thing about him being a friend or a foe. Um, the, the, the way in which they're going to do Article 16, I think, will and the Northern Ireland Protocol will be very instructive in this regard. If she carries on and... The, the interim step, it used to be the nuclear option, remember. This is how far the debate has shifted. The yes. nuclear option for Northern Ireland was always triggering Article 16. Yes. But that's now seen as an interim step, as a milder version of what they might ultimately do. And so if she triggers Article 16 very quickly, that will be seen to be inflammatory by the EU. And by the United States of America, because Absolutely. Biden has spoken about this recently and very senior congressional figures are also watching very carefully. So it won't just be Europe mistrust will be taking on, it will be the United States as well. Absolutely. But the EU is ready for her. This is now the fourth prime minister since the day of the Brexit referendum. And yes. the EU, I think, are going to play a waiting game for perhaps the fifth prime minister since the, the, the um, referendum. They quite clearly do not want to negotiate in any serious way with these people because they don't trust them. Yeah. And because so much has been reneged upon, so many lies have been told. So I think the EU will play a long game here, will engage in, you know, in, in skirmishing, but they won't do battle until they can take these people seriously. And they're certainly not going to take this trust seriously because of the way in which she's, you know, the, that comment that she made about Macron last week will have gone down very badly in yes. Brussels, where yes. these things matter, language matters. So I think that what she's likely to do is trigger Article 16, which will then trigger a whole bunch of 
um, treaty-based, protocol-based responses that will delay a lot of things, that will delay the drift to the trade war. But the direction of travel is clear. We are on her stated policies of ultimately junking the Northern Ireland Protocol after triggering Article 16. We're going to have that trade war, which is economic, and I think political, insanity at a time when Britain is heading into recession, the pound is crashing, and inflation is still going up. Um, so I, I think these people, as those journalists and Dominic, Dominic Cummins said, I think these people are crackers. Now, let me ask you, Chris, and with your economist's hat on, the British economy is in dire trouble, we know. There is the division exposed during the leadership battle between the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, who is, it appears, economically literate, and this woman, Liz Truss, who is Foreign Secretary, but has shown in many instances that she doesn't really have a clue. She acts on instinct. She was a Remainer, for example. She was a member of the Liberal Democrats, for example. And another example surfaced yesterday when she was Minister for the Environment in 2014, she gave away or dismantled and threw away all Britain's means of storing oil and gas. I mean, her record is appalling. She's also being blamed for the fact that an awful lot of Britain, Britain's beaches in recent weeks have been covered in sewage. Yes. What, what she did is, because she's been in government a long time now, she, she give her credit, she, she is a survivor. Um, yes. She's apparently nearly been sacked by several prime ministers several times, but it's never never quite happened. So she certainly has managed to, to survive. But her track record is poor in terms of policy. There's no doubt about it. What is going to happen, in your view, to the British economy under her leadership? Well, if, if, for example, she does what she's promised to do, which is reduce taxes? Well... From what we know about what she's going to do, if she delivers on all of those promises, as I say, it's a big if, the taxes will be cut and public spending will be um, held back, if not actually cut. What that, when that policy, in her uh, mistaken belief, I would say, is that that would spur economic growth. Um, I firmly believe that it will not. I don't think the tax cuts will be neither here nor there for economic growth. The principle main impact of that economic mix will be to, um, as the uh, boss of the Institute for Fiscal Studies, an independent economics watchdog here in the UK, um, said recently, it, she will crash the public finances. Right. And that's a, that's a classic old-fashioned e uh, economic crisis, which will be familiar to lots of your <laughs> listeners in Ireland. Um, fiscal crises come and go, but this will, this will be the mother of all fiscal crises, principally because um, it, what she is proposing to do is uh, cut taxes, therefore using borrowed money to finance that at a time when public borrowing is already through the roof and previous debts arising from previous borrowing, for example, after and during and after the pandemic, the, the, the fiscal situation of the state is in a very poor situation to be starting a really big fiscal experiment. So that's where I think the rubber will hit the road, economically speaking, and that will be terrible for the pound. And it will also be terrible for ordinary people in Britain because the Bank of England has to respond to that. If the public finances are crashing because of what she's doing to tax cuts, 
it isn't going to help the inflation problem. It's going to make it worse. And that worse inflation problem means that interest rates have to go up. If the pound is crashing, that means the Bank of England has to put interest rates up. So that means much higher interest rates. And financial markets, just over the last few days, actually, have been moving to those kinds of forces. And the forecasts that you see coming from financial markets now, big changes over the last few days for interest rates through 2023 and beyond, are for much higher and much higher than we previously thought. So ordinary people will feel this, of course, through their mortgages and any other way, their credit card borrowings or whatever it is that they, they however they are exposed to interest rates. And it's no good for British business either, because British businesses do not like higher interest rates. So that is not a, a pretty economic picture, is it, Eamon? No, and I just want to ask you a final question about Boris Johnson, who, believe it, well, you believe it or believe it not, I say that more for our listeners who may not be paying attention, is on a farewell tour of Britain, which is unbelievable. But he is. And he says, I envy you, Eamon. I envy you there in Ireland because the one thing that you have, <laughs> we don't. Let me finish. There were lots of reasons why I might yes. envy you, Eamon. Um, but this one is that you have a working functioning government. Do, Imagine yeah. living in a country through what we are all living through at the moment, where government is completely and utterly absent. It's not just the prime minister that's absent, because yeah. he's only going on this farewell tour after having had two holidays. Mm. Um, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a weird, strange, bizarre situation. Let me finally put it like this. If I was Boris Johnson and I had serious hopes of restoring my reputation and being leader of the Tory party for a second time, I'd be perfectly happy to back Liz Truss because, as you say, she may crash and burn the Tory party. There may be a spell then when Labour are in power, but Boris will be back in the game. Well, I think that he has half a plan to come to make that kind of comeback in yep. exactly the way that you describe. The, the other thing that is said by friends of Johnson is that he himself, not least prodded by um, his wife Carrie, uh, but both of them quite fancy the idea of earning some money, and that as soon as he goes on to the lecture circuit and gets a few plum uh, board positions and advisory positions, as, as they always do in this situation, as soon as he starts earning Tony Blair-type money post being post-prime minister, he won't be interested in making a return to politics. So we shall see. Right, so the after-dinner speaker of your cabinet that you described as full of right-wing hacks, after-dinner speakers and journalists. Gove is out. He's the journalist. Johnson is the journalist and after-dinner speaker. He's out. So what are you left with? Well, that's a very interesting point, if I might just explore it for a second. Yes. Because if you think about British politics in the round over the last few years, all of the really good centre-right, centre-left, but non-ideological, non-nutcase non-crackers people have been squeezed out. Yep. If you think about the Labour Party, the best Labour politician of their generation, David Miliband, they squeezed out. and He's yep. now working for a charity in New York. One of the most, and there are several Tory politicians that got squeezed out, yes, indeed. banished, excised, purged, if you like, as a result of the Brexit thing. I mean, one of the brightest was a guy called Rory Stewart, yes. who also is now running a charity. And people are starting to notice that the really bright, really clever able politicians of, of the recent decade in the yes. UK on both sides of the political fence and the system is squeezing out to be for us to be left with ideologues on both sides we we went, went 
um, Miliband was gone, we ended up with Corbyn, for example. Um, and, of course, all these ideologues of the right. And so the, the extremes are squeezing the centre-ground politician out of politics yeah. and somehow structurally we're end up ending up with these ideologues, non-entities, and very, very shallow, unable politicians. It's it's really, really interesting but disturbing um, way of thinking about it. Okay, Chris, your description's vivid and perfect, and we're very grateful to Chris Johns, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.